With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Here with the 214th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this one, The Falcons Collapse Again. Where do the Falcons go from here? Yes, 30-26 against the Chicago Bears in just auspicious fashion. Falcons giving up 20 unanswered points after they blew a 16-point lead. Touchdown at 153 to go. 28-yard strike from former Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles to Anthony Miller, who beat cornerback Bleedy Ray Wilson on a post pattern as the Falcons blitz in zero. Cover zero. <laughs> that didn't get there. And, uh... Uh, got into his face, but couldn't affect the quarterback like they wanted to do. So, we're going to uh, look at that. We're going to hear from Coach Quinn, Dante Fowler, Calvin Ridley, Darquez Denard. Going to look at uh, what's up with Dirk's WTF play calling. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, at length here at the end. But, hey, go on, go to AJC.com and... Uh, uh, you know, read the coverage. We had two great columns from uh, our Mark Bradley on the coach's future, Steve Hummer on the collapse. Uh, you know, in addition to our five things we learned from the game, we also did a uh, long sidebar on the coaching history under Arthur Blank and when he's fired his coaches, uh, when they've walked away, and um, and so forth. The uh, players uh, commenting openly on the coach's future, and the coach addressed it also. We'll hear from that, hear that from him also. Uh, 40, we got the record and the story. I want to just uh, go off the top of my head. 46 and 42, 43 and 40 overall. Coach Smith was um, 66 and 46. So, you know, he did take them to a Super Bowl, but. Um, you know, Mark Bradley asked the question uh, last week was, um, you know, who, you know, he, you know, who feel comfortable <laughs> with Quinn leading the team. And yesterday was another embarrassing loss for the Falcons. And, uh, you know, they got a, where do they go from here? Which way is up? There are some issues on the floor. They have to be addressed. And then we'll look at some player notes here, too. And then... Um, on Wednesday, we'll start get we'll get ready for Green Bay all day tomorrow. I'll have something for you on the podcast for Wednesday. You know the Matt Lafleur should they have hired him instead of Steve Sarkeesian? Well, you know that's going to be a big story this week. Uh, he's doing a great job up there. I hope he uh, discovered the chicken breast sandwich over there at the Crow's restaurant. Uh, I'm going to miss going up there and uh, probably going to have a brat or two. Uh, here at the house for that game on Monday night next week. But, hey, let's get into this, uh, Quinn. 
another Falcon epic collapse. stretch is about as tough as it can get and uh, I do feel that way um, when you have chances to go win it and uh, you come out on the other end um, they definitely they hurt and uh, so basically what we came down to to say like it's not okay and how do we find ways to finish better and that's where our emphasis will be heading into this week because um, there's plenty out there for us but we've got to be able to finish that and so yeah it's been a tough uh, two game stretch for this team and uh, you know, especially how the last two been up uh, multiple touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Clock management seems to be an issue, Dan. Uh, what's your been communication with Dirk, and why so many pass places when the opportunity to run would have milked time off the clock? Yeah, I think those are easy to look back at, Zach. We definitely uh, communicated on those, and if you you complete them and you move the chains, you know those are, are ones to go. So going in, and obviously we're you know planning on converting some of the ones that are short, especially the shorter ones. Uh, so when you don't have those, you know there's consequences for them. But we certainly. Uh, you know, expect to connect on a screen or, or other plays that uh, would use the clock. In the fourth quarter, the struggles then, is that on coaching, the way the other team's been able to respond? Well, number one, yeah, it falls on me in, in all spaces. I want to make sure we're clear on that, but uh, we're all in this together. And so when there's a game, uh, there's things to do differently offensively, defensively on teams. So uh, we are all connected on it together. But uh, at the end of the game, the results and, uh, you know, setting up things for how we'll go, that, that ball right through. Do you have the confidence you can get this team back on the winning track? And if so, what gives you that confidence? Well, yeah, I've got a lot of confidence in this team because I spent the entire training camp with them. I know the features that they have, things we can do. And I'm certainly anticipating us doing that. Uh, like I said, the last two weeks and the endings of those have been uh, you know, nothing short of, uh, of crushing. But I would say uh, this team, as close as they are, as tightly connected as they are, um, you know, they're going to find a way to, to push through and, uh, and regroup and, and find our own way of, of winning at the end. And we'll do that. Have you spoken with Arthur? Okay, that was that. And then he asked about speaking uh, to yeah, Arthur. Here's the answer. Visit every week, pre-game, post-game. Started over. Well, yeah, we, we, we visit every week, pre-game, post-game, Mondays through the week. Uh, but uh, any time, Zach, honestly, that if I take away from that, it's time that all I can do uh, is just being in front of the team. I said, uh, I need to be the same guy on our best days and our worst days and stand tall for them and bring the energy and the coaching and the focus that we need to go win. Uh, anything past that does not help the team. And uh, so all I can focus on is us playing better and finishing better. And so that's where my focus will be and remains to be. When the Bears were making that run, Dan, with So there was uh, Dan Quinn. Basically, that was Zach Klein from WSB. He asked, uh, we go into a chat room and we submit our questions. And Zach asked all the tough questions because I know I put them, put them in there right away. And, uh, uh, you know, straightforward, you know, boom, what about the play calling? <laughs> uh, you know, are you worried about your job? You know, those are tough questions we would have asked them live. So... Zach, uh, I didn't hesitate, and he's shooting the shots. We appreciate him. Justin Fielder, and I think it was uh, Maria Martin from 11 Alive also doing the the um, the questions on Sunday. And, and they sound better than I do, so that's great for the audio. Uh, Y'all don't have to hear me uh, uh, answering the questions uh, or asking the questions uh, like the good old days. So we'd have uh, Fox, Jason Fielder from Fox. Uh, Zach Klein from uh, Channel 
uh, two, and then Maria Martin there handling the questions. And they uh, they do a good job. They're not backing down. I love it. Uh, so let's go hear from some of the players here. Here's Calvin Ridley. Start him over. On us. Obviously distraught, um, you know, wasn't a good day. He had a great day, but, man, we thank him for coming out and, uh, you know, sharing with the fans, you know, after a tough one. You know, some some guys run from the media, but not my man Calvin Ridley. Uh, so, um, he, he didn't want to address the shouting deal, but that's okay. Uh, I, you know, we'll just keep on moving here, getting Dante Fowler. Uh, cranked up. Dante uh, supposedly talked to the team. He's the new guy. So where's that happen? Uh, where's Deion Jones? Uh, Keanu O'Neal? Where are the, you know, the Falcons are the, you know, they were trying to build this thing around those guys. Grady's hurt. He would have probably spoke up. But hey, you know, Dante Fowler's a tough kid. He's out there playing uh, on an ankle. Uh, we haven't heard from him since the beginning of training camp so it was great to see him and uh, make sure he was alive and doing well appreciate him coming by too to talk to the media like that but you know we know that we lost this game and i told him that you know at the end of the day you know we're just facing adversity right now and not back against the wall and you know right now these times are you know basically you know here to see how we build what kind of team are we are you know what kind of players are we are we're gonna sit here and just you know just go in the gutter and just quit or we're going to keep fighting, you know. And I told him, all I, know how to do is, all I know how to do is fight, you know. My back against the wall, all I know how to do is keep swinging. So, you know, it's only three, but, you know, it's a long season. We've got 13 more games left. A lot can happen in 13 games. So, you know, we just got to look like that and keep moving on to the next week. We heard from both Todd and, and Calvin about you speaking up. Why did you feel the need to be the guy to speak up and say something in there? Well, um, I when the times is right, and I just felt like, you know, something he was, you know, telling me to speak to the team at that time, and, you know, when I 
not usually talk, you know, people listening because I'm always, you know, such a happy, fun guy to play with. But I just want to let them know, you know, I've been on teams, you know, that's, you know, been in these type of positions before and we've been able, you know, to be able to come out of this and, you know, be successful out of this. So it's just about how we, we're a good physical team. That's, I, I want us to be a good mental team as well. We're a good physical team. I want us to be a good mental team as well. Hmm. It's a lot to unpack there. Uh, you know, execution at the end. You know, one of the signs, and when nobody, uh, we haven't heard about this, you know, uh, teams would come out and play hard and fizzle that, you know, they're either not conditioned or they're not as talented as you believe. So that could be a problem. Falcons are 0-3 for the first time since 2007. The uh, That was by Petrino's team that he left after 13 games. The quarterback's in jail. Uh, you know, uh, they won their fourth game, but they went 3-13 and that year and had Chris Redman uh, ending the year. Great comeback by Chris that year because he ended up uh, sticking around the league and getting his pension after being a high draft pick and uh, – you know, finding his way in the NFL. Last person we're going to hear from is Darquez Denard. We're going to wrap up with some stats and just a couple little items to uh, move on with. Here's Denard. I think that should be our focus. Uh, you know, just take the landing part from it. Obviously, uh, you see it in the first half, uh, how, we the, how we plan and how we compete. So we just got to continue to do it. Uh, just put it all the way through. Uh, yeah. What do you think the difference is between the first half and the second half where you guys fall off and really can't complete games? Uh, I can't really tell you. Uh, you know, I've got to control. I've got to do a better job at, at my job. I can't really, you know, really point fingers and, and, and tell myself I've got to do a better job than myself. Uh, and figure out really, I think that's all of us we got to do. We just got to, you know, look at ourselves and, uh, figure out what we got what we can do better, what we can bring to the table. Uh, and you know, continue to get better each week. And uh, I think this should be our mindset, honestly. Uh, what we can do better. We're a good we're a really good football team. Uh, and I see it, I think everybody see it in the first half. We just gotta, you know, find a way to, you know, put it together. As far as it goes with DQ, does this team still have its back after an over three start? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, DQ, a great coach. Uh, I love him. I know the rest of the guys in the locker room love him. Uh, you know, it's just uh, kind of disappointing for me anyway. You know, I'm new here, and, you know, he do a great job with everything. And, you know, we just not getting the results uh, that we all want. But he's he a great coach, and I think uh, we all, we love him. We're still fighting for him, for sure, 100%. Now, Dante Fowler said this is all right, that was Maria Martin from uh, 11 Alive News. Uh, she's in the, she was in Channel 3 helping us out there. It was that client Channel 1 from uh, WSB and uh, Justin Felder from Fox 5. You know, they got the broadcaster voice. But we're putting all our questions into the channels. And, uh, you know, our broadcaster friends are... Uh, Doing a good job of asking the questions. Now, there were a couple overturned plays in the game, so we got the PFWA pool report up on uh, AJC.com. Our good friend uh, Patrick Finley from Chicago Sun-Times uh, got Al Riveron uh, on those two plays. Uh, asked several questions of the uh, officiating supervisor because, you know, 
not only did the Bears score those three touchdowns, they had two others turned uh, turned o- overturned. It's interceptions. So this maybe wasn't as close as we thought. Then also the kicker, Youngway Koo, um, and thanks for uh, Jason Butt helping with the reporting on this. He had a strained leg before the game. Did not do the kickoff. Sterling Hoffricker handled the kickoffs. Uh, and uh, Koo missed the 40-yarder. That would have put the Falcons up 29-10. to 10. And that would have been the same score as the halftime at Dallas. And then um, he missed the extra point after the first touchdown. So they lose by four. He misses four. They had two touchdowns overturned. Uh, you know, just, just bizarre play calling at the end. We are looking forward to hearing from Dirk Cutter today. We're going to call this uh, one here. What's up with Dirk's WTF play calling? Because, man, the first one they use a 55 seconds. uh, Run, pass, pass, punt. Second one is pass, pass, pass. 22 seconds. Forced no timeouts. Bears are bears are balling. They got the they're on a roll. Your defense is down six starters. Is that right? Four, five, five starters because Grady's out now. Boom. And Darquez, who was balling out, he's out. So really six. So you basically got the practice squad defense up there, and the third stringers. I mean, Dildrick Abrams, a uh, fine young man. Uh, you know, uh, I think he's Tulane. I get him in the Colorado guy mixed up. He might be uh, Colorado. Um, he's in. Uh, he's out at left cornerback on the last play of the game. He's got Allen Robinson. He's sticking him. I'm like, oh, I'm going right here. This ain't you know. There ain't no clue about where I'm going. Uh, and uh, but no, they went to Anthony Miller on the post because they called. They had the cover zero defense. The Bears got a timeout or a two minute warning. And so they got to see the whole defense. The Falcons didn't change it. They came right back with it with uh, eight cats on the line. They're coming. Uh, don't get there. Foles stands in the pocket with somebody in his face and throws a shot to Miller, who's going uh, to put a move on Bleedy Ray Wilson and is uh, free as a bird going into the end zone for the score uh, at 153. So I don't think um, – I don't. I don't even know what the excuse is going to be for them throwing uh, five out of six times there when you're trying to protect a lead. Um, I don't know. We know Gurley's on a snap count. Brian Hill was running good, eight for fifty-eight. I got my analytics people saying, "Hey, the analytics are saying they got to go with the younger back." Gurley doesn't have the burst. He's not getting yak. He's not breaking tackles. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm hearing it, but I'm like, I'm not believing it right now. So, but, um, uh, you know, so Brian Hill, you can't go with him. Uh, you got a fullback and, uh, Olison was your short yardage back last year. I mean, put that kid in there. Let's see, you know, I mean, it would have been unfair because you didn't play him all game, but you, you got to have a power package when it's time to close out the game. You're going five wides on the two yard line. But I know the philosophy there um, from uh, my time in Green Bay. It's Andy Reid. And, you know, Dirk and uh, Andy Reid were at the same stops for years. I mean, uh, Missouri Southern is a small school where they started out in uh, California together. And they were in Missouri, I think, together, Texas El Paso. And, you know, it's it's the, uh, you know, kind of West Coast Lavelle Edwards uh, mix 
where they believe a screen pass or a short quick pass is like a handoff. It's extended handoff is what they uh, have said in the past. So we'll see what he says today on why they were calling six plays or the pass plays. I'm probably thinking they they couldn't they didn't think they could block them or they thought they were blitzing and they could hit them. I'm not really sure, um, you know, what the thinking was on that. Here I gotta open up the computer again because I want to get to you the the player notes I had pulled up. Cause we were just chatting here a little too long with that, but we'll get to those. But yeah, that's gonna be um, interesting to see what Dirk Cutter says about. The play calling late, uh, Quinn gave a convoluted answer about they communicated and, yeah, you want to hit them. And, but another point on that before we move to the player notes, uh, yeah, we got time for that. I remember in New Orleans where, you know, Coach Smith took over the headset and was like, run the ball. It's an overtime. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And they ran it like 11 times in a row. Move down the field, got in field goal range. Because, I mean, sometimes you got to run the ball when they know you running it. If the line can't do that, um, you know, something's wrong. I mean, they're supposed to be an outside zone running team, and we're seeing way too much five and three receiver wideouts when the receivers are hurt. You you throw in the Alameda, Zacchaeus, he had his um, best game, though. Uh, <clears throat> Julio's out, really in and out late. Uh, <clears throat> Gage is out. Ryan threw him right into the safety in the second quarter, and he went to the concussion tent and, um, you know, did not return. So we're going to probably find out at some point if he's in the concussion protocol or not. And so, um, you know, that that was a factor in the game. But let's look at some player notes, and then we'll get up out of here. Uh, you know, Ridley's off to a great start here. We'll definitely talk about him. Uh Get them all here together. Yep. Yeah, Matt Ryan, 19-38 for 238 yards. One touchdown pass, one interception late. Woo, 67.7 passer rating. He threw the ball to nine different receivers. Calvin Ridley, five receptions for 110. Uh, his third straight 100-yard game didn't score this week. Uh, according to their stats, um, Ridley was the first player to record a 100-yard receiving in his first three games of a season since Adam Thielen and Juju Smith-Huster in 2018. He also joins Julio Jones as the only players with at least 100 yards receiving in each of their first three games of the season in franchise history. Now, we also, um, Julio Jones has had over 300 yards four different times in the first three games, but, uh, and uh, also... This was the first time since, uh, you know, uh, uh, Eric Metcalf did it in 1995. With, uh, he was over 300 yards. but And then also Andre Rison in 1994. So, you know, we have to add on. You know, they, we like to do the historical stats too. But, you know, you got to go back and dig on those. That was from Pro Football Reference. Hayden Hurst had another touchdown catch. Alameda Zacchaeus. You know, career high four for 41. Brian Hill had nine rushes for 58 and a 38-yard touchdown run. At the longest touchdown run of his career and longest by Falcons since Tevin Camp, Camp Coleman's 
43-yard touchdown run in week 15 of 2008. Uh, we looked up who that was against and gave him the date on that one. Uh, Todd Gurley totaled 14 carries for 80 yards. Ten, he had a 10-yard touchdown run his second of the season. Uh, you know, Bleedy Ray Wilson had a pick. DeQuarrius Denard had an interception, had a good game before he was hurt. Uh, Grady got hurt. He had a sack. Charles Harris, who was playing with Tack uh, McKinley out, he got a sack. His first one with the Falcons. Uh, yeah, Charles Harris, He uh, that was good if he can keep that up. He only had 3.5 sacks over 41 games with the Dolphins. His first, uh, his for the former first-round pick from Missouri. Now, he said they were two-gapping down there. He's a one-gapper, and here he's a one-gapper, so he can just go. And so this scheme fits him uh, better than it did Miami. Okay, now, um, young Wei Koo made the two or three field goals, uh, made 29 and 36, two extra points. Missed one, the first one at 06, of course, as I said, and uh, missed the uh, 40-yarder that would have put him up 29 to 10. Uh, you know, so they lost by four points, and he missed on four points. Uh, but he strained his leg, like I said, in the preseason, in the pregame stuff. So uh, Sterling Hoffricker had to handle the kickoffs, and he punted six times for 38.8 average. We need a little higher average than that. Uh, he got two inside the 20, and he also handled the kickoff duties. So we're going to wrap it up here. 214th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Uh, you know, uh, Falcons uh, started 1-7 last year, finished 6-2 to create some optimism. Uh, us old heads kind of knew that, hey, that doesn't really carry over to the next season, you know. And then, uh, of course, the pandemic hits. They don't get to practice. Uh, so a lot of players didn't get better. Uh, you know, they don't have a training camp. They needed a training camp. They needed to have a joint practice uh, to compete against somebody other than themselves because they couldn't have a slow start to the season. And so I don't know if they're not in shape. Uh, that's why they're folding. Uh, but they that they haven't been able to put together a whole game uh, in the first three. You know, they're, they're, they're in a game in Seattle at 14-12, then uh, go sideways with the um, – giving up the touchdown on fourth down, and uh, then the point team fumbles when the offense could have, you know, helped the team. The offense got to carry the team. That's where all the money is, and they're not doing it either. So, I mean, they're putting up, you know, gaudy numbers, but uh, not good football numbers. So, uh, you know, you can, you can just blame the spread around for this 0-3 start. Uh, so then, you know, they go to Dallas, get the big lead. They're, they're rolling. They found their way. But then, uh, you know, again, the defense, the coverage uh, gets uh, leaky. Then, you know, the onside kick. So, defense, offense, special teams, everybody's helping out at this point. Uh, no turnovers by the offense in that game. And then this one here, just the pattern. Uh, you know, you the Bears switch. Mr. Trubisky, if he stayed in the game, they win this thing because he doesn't know. Uh, you know, they were already jumping his routes in zone coverage. He couldn't read him. So, but Foles knew exactly where the holes were in this defense, and uh, they went right after him uh, and uh, attacked. So, uh, the defensive collapse, no help from the offense, and uh, special no help late from the offense, and then the special teams uh, blowing, missing the field goal, and uh, 
uh, missing extra points. So you got a lot of lot going on there. That's a lot of bad football, some decision making issues, uh, you know, some bad play, and then just you know uh, the inability to put together four quarters of football, and that's gonna. They can't do that, and Green Bay on Monday night is going to look really bad on TV in front of the national audience. So uh, they're staring down the barrel of 0-4 start after 1-7 last year, 1-4 the year before that. And all we're here to do is give you the facts and let you know you can find us at the Orlando AJC on Twitter. And on Facebook at Atlanta Falcons News Now. We appreciate you down in the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. With that, going to get out of here and tell you to have a great rest of the week. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the 214th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Music by DJ Magic. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.